lives. And may we glorify you for all that you've done for wretched sinners like us and sending us the grace that is found in your Son. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So does God even care about us? I know, I know there's a Sunday school answer to that question. Right? Well, of course he does, right? But in this life, sometimes that truth is easier to say than it is to believe, isn't it? This life is hard. Kids, this life is hard. And if you don't think it is yet, wait a while. Life is hard. We live in a fallen world. All creation is groaning to be set free from the futility that all creation has been subjected. And, and as we try to live in this world, thorns and thistles arrive and try to choke out our hope and our faith. Well, if that's not enough, we live in a world that's full of sinners, don't we? And those sinners sin much. And often, who are the ones who are sinned against? Well, us, right? We face horrible injustice, pain, suffering, hurt, strife, but we ourselves are not immune to such things. We ourselves are sinners, aren't we? And so often we suffer from the consequences of our own sin and the pain which that causes. Well, if that's not enough, our bodies are also weak and subject to the curses of the fall, aren't they? Our physical strength can be affected by illness. Our minds are also subjected to the fall, where we could suffer anxiety, depression, other struggles of the minds and hearts. Our emotions are often led astray or damaged by life in this fallen world. Does God even care about us? You talk to an atheist, what's one of the most common things? Well, look at the evil in the world. We should have an answer for this question, shouldn't we? See, beloved, our, our Lord knows that this life is full of suffering. Jesus Christ came and suffered with us in this world under the curse of sin. And the Spirit inspired for us frank words in the Psalms that express such feelings. Take Psalm, for instance, Psalm 10, 1. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourselves in times of trouble? The Holy Spirit inspired that verse. Aren't you glad a verse like that is in the Bible? I am. The Lord inspired words of lament for times of doubt and suffering. Beloved, the Lord knows our frame. He knows that we are but dust. He knows that we are often fearful and we need comfort. But beloved, I have good news for you today. I have good news for you. God does love you and does care about you. And beloved, he's big. He can handle your doubts and your fears and your longings for strength and longs to strengthen you as you walk through this world of pain. And in our passage today, we hear about the apostles in, in a moment of their own doubt, and we see how Jesus comes to strengthen them and build them up in faith, hope, and trust. And so in this text, it teaches us that the Lord is so aware of our sufferings, fear, doubts, and pain 
that in love he sent his son to perish for us. That's how aware of it he is. And so we're going to see in this passage the journey, then we're going to hear about the storm that came, and then the rescue that Jesus brought. So the journey, the storm that came, and the rescue that Jesus brought. So let's look at this journey. As our passage opens, Jesus comes to a full, at the end of a full, long day of ministry. He had been teaching all day. The crowds were so great that he had to get in a boat to not be crushed. And as evening came, Jesus says to the apostles that the time has come for them to cross to the other side of the lake. So the apostles and the others who followed in the boats set out And as they cross the sea, Jesus, exhausted from ministry, falls fast asleep. How many of you are Sunday nappers? And and us in ministry, we read that little section of the verse and we go, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And in this little detail, we learn much about the love Jesus has for us. It's not a throwaway thing that he fell asleep. Beloved, Jesus is the God-man. He's not half man, half God. He is true God and true man. Jesus had everything that makes a human a human, meaning Jesus was subject to the physical limitations of life in a fallen world. Beloved, Jesus got hungry and needed food. Jesus got tired and his physical body ran out of strength and needed to sleep. Jesus needed time of rest and quiet. Jesus had existed from from all eternity. He's the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And it was through Jesus that the Word of God, all things were created. Yet in His love for us, Jesus took upon Himself a human nature and a reasonable soul and lived in our fallen world with us and for us. He was subject to the curse that had fallen upon creation. Beloved, He suffered that curse for us. Jesus knows what it is for your body to be weak, to feel pain. Jesus knows what it is to be so anxious and tormented that you cry out for relief. Beloved, Jesus knows what that feels like. Jesus knows what it is to be sinned against and betrayed by those who you love. He he knows what that feels like. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet was without sin. Beloved, Jesus shows to us and to all humanity he understands. But in this passage, he also shows us his divinity. The glory of the God-man, Jesus Christ, is now about to be on full display as the storm comes. As Jesus sleeps, the sky grows dark, wind starts to howl, and a great windstorm slaps upon the sea and begins to swamp the boat with waves. The Sea of Galilee is notorious for torrential storms that blast through almost without warning. You see, the Sea of Galilee lies 700 feet below sea level in a basin surrounded by hills and mountains that are especially high on the east side. And so 30 miles to the northeast, there's Mount Hermon, rises about 9,000 feet above sea level. 
And there's an interchange of cold air that whips through from the rising heat of the Sea of Galilee. What do you got? You got a nice convection cell, right? We know nothing about lake effect here, right? And as the wind roars and the waves crash, the apostles are terrified. And recall that at least four of these men were fishermen in that lake. They know that lake like they know the back of their hand. Y'all know what, y'all have a lake that you go to that you know like the back of your hand? They knew this one. And so for these men to be this concerned, that just shows us how bad this storm truly was. And so the waves grow bigger and the winds grow stronger. The waves begin crashing into the boat and the boat begins to fill up. And finally the apostles yell out, waking Jesus, say, teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? You ever felt like that? When sickness racks us, Lord, don't you care? When fighting through the thorns that grow as we try to provide for our families, Lord, don't you care? As we struggle and fight against depression and anxiety as despair falls upon our hearts, Lord, don't you care? When those who we love hurt and betray us, Lord, don't, don't you care? Don't you care that we're perishing? And their cry was probably exacerbated by the fact that it was Jesus who told them to go in the boat in the first place. Here they are going where their master tells them, and they're drowning in a storm, bashed by wind and waves, and here is Jesus asleep, seeming not to care at all, while they in their fear are crying out to him as Jesus seems detached. Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? The apostles were doubting whether Jesus really cared for them. But the very fact, the very reason why Jesus came to them, and in fact, the very reason he was on that boat in the first place was why? It's because he loved them. So much so that he's on his way to the cross to suffer and die for them. Yet the apostles were not persuaded in their heart that he truly loved them. So when the storm arose, it brought to the surface their doubts and their lack of assurance in Jesus' love for them. And beloved, is this so not like us? So often is this not like us? That's what I love about the Gospel of Mark. I'm preaching through the Gospel of Mark in my church, so you got to hear it. But um, what I love is we're told right at the beginning who this Jesus person is, right? And then we get to watch the apostles come to terms with this person, and we get to see them miss it and miss it just like we miss it. And we see ourselves in this little band, this little group, Coming to terms with who this Jesus person is. When the storms of life blow against us, when our boat is filling up, we doubt God's love and care, and we cry out, Don't you care that I'm perishing? And beloved, when the storms of life blow, we need an anchor. We need an anchor, an anchor that holds us firm and moors us as the wind and rain howls around us. And beloved, that anchor 
is the cross of Christ. Where's your anchor? It's the cross of Christ. It's on the cross where the love of Christ is displayed for us all, where he takes upon himself all of our human experience. Consider the cross. How did he get there? He was betrayed by a loved one, falsely accused of horrid things. He suffered agonizing agony, being sorrowful to the point of death. He suffered mocking and humiliation, stripped naked, bearing shame for all to see, suffering suffering horrible pain and torment on his body, but also feeling the full wrath of of sin poured upon him. Jesus was a man despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and it is he who has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. It was he who was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and beloved, by his stripes we are what? We are healed. Beloved, the cross of Christ is our anchor that grounds us and holds us in God's love. It is the buoy that shines when darkness overwhelms me. Where can I find a safe harbor? I can find it there. When everything's in chaos, I can find it there. And beloved, Jesus' love for us is eternal. It's eternal. And in his love for us, he wants us to grow to be like him. Beloved, he loves you so much, he wants you to be like him. He's raising us up, he's growing us up like him. And so he uses situations in our life to grow us in grace. And this is an important principle in the Christian life. Sometimes we find ourselves in difficulties because of our own sin and foolishness. Certainly that's the case, right? Are there some things in our lives that we really wish weren't there, but they're there because we messed up, right? And we have to deal with those consequences. But there are times in life when the Lord himself will lead us into difficulties. Consider Joseph. Sold into slavery by his own brothers. Convicted of a crime he did not commit. Suffering and forgotten in some jail cell. But he was raised up to be the vice regent in Egypt. Until one day he sees 11 guys who he recognizes. Bowing before him. His own brothers. The ones who sold him in the first place. And then all those years, all that suffering, he got it. See, guys, you meant this for evil, but the Lord meant it for good, to bring about it that many should be kept alive as they are this day. I see what the Lord was doing. The Puritan John Flavel, he says that providence is like Hebrew. It must be read backwards. I think that's a good quote. In those storms of life, it's those storms of life that grow us in trust and hope and to understand the love, comfort, and provision of Christ in ways that we would never otherwise know. 
J.C. Ryle, he comments so beautifully on this. He says, Let's, let us mark well this lesson. If we are true Christians, we must not expect everything smooth in our journey to heaven. We must count it no strange thing if we have to endure sicknesses, losses, bereavements, and disappointments just like other men. Free pardon and full forgiveness, grace along the way and glory to the end, all this our Savior has promised to give. But He has never promised that we shall have no affliction. He loves us too well to promise us that. By affliction, He teaches us many precious lessons which without it we should never learn. By affliction, He shows us our emptiness and weakness, draws us to the thrones of, throne of grace, purifies our affections, weans us from the world, makes us long for heaven. I couldn't say that better. It is by faith anchored in the cross, trusting in the love of Christ, that we can say with the psalmist, it was good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. Wow. That's a tough prayer to say, isn't it? <laughs> but that's a prayer of wisdom that has been seasoned by this life walking with Christ. The apostles were in need of comfort and assurance of Christ's love, and now Jesus now awakes to comfort them. And so let's look at the rescue that Jesus brings. The cry of the apostles' accusation hits the sleeping ears of Jesus, and he wakes. And as he stands up, the text says he rebukes the wind, using the same verb to describe Jesus rebuking demons. He speaks to the storm, and he says, Peace, be still. And immediately, immediately, the wind obeys the voice of Christ. The wind is silenced and the waves cease and a great calm comes over the sea. And could you imagine how calm that calm was? You could just imagine. He stands up, peace be still. The wind and the waves stop and the boat's doing this. The apostles are soaking wet, breathing heavy. What just happened? Imagine how long it must have been before Jesus spoke. The apostles terrified, soaking wet and in shock. And though their words to Jesus were the most stinging of words, Jesus looks at them and gives them a loving and gentle rebuke. He, he turns and he finally speaks, why, why were you so afraid? Have you still no faith? The scriptures are precious, aren't they? Because there's such a window into our hearts. There's such a perfect window into our hearts. And in the narrative of Scripture, we see our own heart, our own lack of faith, our fears, our doubts, and our accusations against the Lord. And in Mark, we get to walk with the apostles as they, they come to terms with this. And we walk with them through their lack of faith and their doubt and their failings. And we gain strength, faith, and hope in our own lives. So, beloved, Jesus is comforting. 
ever building up their faith. He, he will not smother a, a faintly burning wick, nor will he, he crush a bruised reed. Jesus is empathetic, full of tender mercy towards us. Beloved, he sees our weaknesses. We, we can't keep that from him. He knows them. He's aware of our shortcomings. He, he, he knows our lack of faith. And he comes to strengthen us, how? Through the means of grace. Through the means of grace, he comes to strengthen us. He knows all our defects of faith, hope, and love, and courage, yet he does not cast us off. He bears with us continually, and in his love to the end, where he raises us up when we fall and restores us when we err. And his patience Like his love passes all understanding. The Lord was merciful and patient with me for 24 years before he brought me to him. He's still being patient with me because I still don't get it. (laughs) I still mess up. I still sin. I still fight doubts and lack of faith like we all do, and he so gently bears with me. He visits me when the word is preached and tells me of his promises. He visits me in the table and in baptism where he shows me that these promises are for me. He ministers to my heart in prayer. Those means of grace, beloved, they're powerful. It's not an empty thing. It's a powerful thing we do. My favorite prayer in Scripture is, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Aren't you glad that prayer is in Scripture? I am. I need that prayer. So often, I need that prayer. And with this display, the apostles' fear changed. The text says that they were filled with great fear. The apostles, rather than a fear Weak in faith, doubting the love of Christ, their fear transformed, didn't it? Now it transforms into what? A holy fear. Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Just who is it that it is in the boat with us? Who is it that we're following? Scriptures would have been flooding their mind as it should ours when we hear this story. Verses like Psalm 65, 5 through 8. By awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring sea, the roaring of their waves, the tumults of the people, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are at awe at your signs. Or Psalm 107, 28 through 30, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm to be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired Heathen. They realized that they were in the boat with the Lord of all. The creator of the sea and the dry land, the one who upholds all creation, was there in the boat 
with them. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. It is He who is the living Lord come to His people to redeem them from their sins and misery at all times and in all situations and everywhere. Our Lord is the sovereign Lord who is in control of all things. Beloved, there is not one rogue molecule in this universe. All is under the loving control of our Lord in whom He has shown us His love in His Son, and strengthens us the more weak in our faith. So in conclusion, let me ask you this. How, how does this passage end? It ends with a question for us to chew on, doesn't it? This is a rhetorical question that in, invites us to a, a response of faith. Just who is this that the wind and the seas obey Him? Who is this guy? Do you find yourself here this morning doubting God's love for you? Do you feel like you are drowning and the wind and waves are crashing upon you this morning and feel as though God does not care? Are, are you harboring anger against God in your heart for, for, for what has happened in your life? Well, then, then, beloved, I have good news for you. Christ loves you. And that is not a cliche. I went to a very uh, charismatic Bible college in Dallas. And we had a speaker come in once. Um, and, and he said, I'm going to teach for a week on John 3.16. Everybody went, ugh. You know, a week on one verse. And he goes, yeah. And I knew you were going to act like that. If a verse becomes cliche, we do not understand it. Hear that? Beloved, the love of Christ is not cliche. It is not cliche. It is true. It is deep. It is something we hold on to. Beloved, Christ loves you. He has borne upon himself the crashing waves of our sin and misery and withstood the fierce wind of the wrath of God upon the cross. He has not abandoned you, beloved, but has loved you to the end. And he is growing us in faith, hope, and love. So call out to him and confess your lack of faith and love in his love and care. Confess it to him and let him strengthen you. And it is here in this place, under the means of grace, the preaching of the word, the sacraments and prayer, that Christ comes to us when we are weak and holds us up to stand strong in the storm. But this question also speaks to anyone here today that does not know Christ. And does not know Christ as their Savior. Who is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? If you aren't trusting in Christ today, I, I beg you to realize who Christ is. Realize who we are dealing with here. He is the holy and perfect God, the ruler and sustainer of all things. His, his love also demands that he punish sin. A loving God cannot let evil get away with it. He can't. Sin will either be dealt with upon the body of Christ or it will be dealt with upon you. And so in love, I beg you, I beg you to see your sins in the light of the perfect, spotless perfection of Christ and see that we fall short and call out to him in repentance and faith and find true rest for your soul 
rest of the last, frail eternity, come to Christ and in Him find life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You for such a rich text, a glorious text that tells us of the love that You have for us and You've shown to us in Your Son. Father, we pray that You would strengthen our heart that is so often besieged by, 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 by the troubles of this world. We pray that You would minister to us the love of Christ, that You would strengthen us when we are weak, that You would lift us up when we fall, that You would continue to work in our hearts to mold us and shape us and, and make us into the image of Christ by the Spirit as, as, as Your Word has promised that You will. Grant us perseverance and courage for the fight. So if you don't grant it to us, we don't have it of ourselves. We need you every moment, Lord. Please be there and strengthen us. And may we never forget that you have, your son walked with us to the very end and he will not leave us now. He will bring us safely into your kingdom as your word promised, for it is held for us by his own blood. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know if you guys stand for the last song or not, but do what you normally do, and let's sing uh, 128, God Moves in Mysterious Ways. <laughs>